This is the Jump Clear Daily Fantasy Podcast with your host, Michael Cruciati. Hello and welcome to the Jump Clear Daily Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Michael Cruciati, and boy, do we have a special episode for you today. Well, first of all, it's Friday, so happy Friday. That means that the weekend is right around the corner, and we have some outstanding horse showing going on this weekend. Well, we also have some pretty cool things to talk about today. We also have an incredible guest towards the end of our show where we get to really dive in to not just show jumping, but professional hockey. And we also talk about daily fantasy in other sports, as well as the impact that it has had on professional hockey. So then to complete our show, we have our weekend picks provided by our special guest. So all that and more throughout our episode today. And we also just want to talk about this past weekend. (laughs) Wow. What a weekend we had. We had so many new users on the platform. We were having people playing our actual daily contests, creating private pools, and people checking out our free-to-play as well. And (laughs) it was so cool to see. People were really taking it on themselves to really dive in. And we that's the biggest compliment that we can have is a fun platform for people to interact with. I love seeing the free-to-play people. They uh they there were so many of them playing. I was like, wow, I didn't know this many people actually wanted to follow it. And it just again confirmed what we've been saying all along that this is just a fun way for show jumping fans to engage with the sport. So thank you so much for everybody who enjoyed our app this past weekend. We have another great weekend coming up where you can participate both in our daily contests as well as our free-to-play. And you know what? If you get your barn together and you're in a state where we are uh, (laughs) operational in, check out the private contest feature. That is so much fun. You get to go out, create your own contest. You set the buy-in and you pick your friends to play. A great way to have a lot of fun getting ready for the Grand Prix and, you know, also uh, maybe even lose some friendships. You never know. (laughs) And uh, so you can go out and try that this weekend. The other thing we also want to talk about is our riders. You know, thank you all the riders who participated in our Pick Me to Jump Clear campaign last weekend. So a little bit of a backstory on that. We don't want our riders playing on the app. We just, it's its too complicated. We don't want that. But we do want you knowing that they are riding in these competitions. And this is a great way for you as a fan to interact with your favorite riders. And that's really why we wanted them to be on there. So the whole campaign was called Pick Me to Jump Clear. So we had riders from all over the world helping us out, taking part in this fun campaign. And that's the feedback we got. We, uh, we sent a few messages out to our users, and the common thread between all of them was, it was so cool to pick my favorite riders to, to jump clear. It, and that's what it's all about. It's about interacting with the people that you follow on a weekly basis and watching their horses in a way that you haven't before. So it just makes watching it so much more fun. So thank you for all the riders who participated, and thank you for the fans who are really taking it on themselves to enjoy this sport. Now... The other thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the results of the past weekend is the odds. So, yes, this is a daily fantasy platform. 
this is not sports betting, plain and simple. And I thought this would be a really cool little segment to talk about what that difference really is. And for those of you who aren't versed in sports gambling and daily fantasy, legally it's two completely different things. They're they're separate in so many different ways, both in a regulatory side as well as a gameplay side. And how the compliance and the regulators look at it is a separation of a game of skill versus a game of chance. And understanding that difference will help you understand how to place your picks. So starting off, a game of chance is your traditional bet. I bet you that something will happen. Maybe a football game, maybe something, who knows. But there's one outcome that can happen that results in your ultimate winning or losing. I bet so-and-so team will win. That is one outcome. The only thing that determines your winnings is that outcome. That is a game of chance. A game of skill, which is what daily fantasy is, is multiple inputs, multiple picks that determine your outcome. So for those of you who know daily fantasy football, and especially on some of the big platforms like DraftKings, what you're doing is you're picking a team and however that team does throughout the course of the week or even the game, that's how many points you're going to get. And if you have the most points at the end of it, you win the pool. So that being said is the strategy that you impose with those picks is really going to determine how well you're going to do. So you can gain more knowledge by understanding the sport at another level or really looking at the statistics or understanding, okay, who are they playing? All these different things factor into a daily fantasy. And one rider or one athlete is not going to completely sway that outcome. It's multiple outcomes. So when you look at our platform, you're picking riders to jump clear and podium finish. You have to use all thousand of your points. And that's where that game of skill really comes in. Because you can't put more than 250 points on a single pick, you have to spread those points out in such a way so that it's not just one rider jumping clear. You have to try and get as many riders as you can to jump clear. And that's where those odds come into play. And so understanding how to read those odds is really going to give you an insight on how you could do. So for me personally, this is my strategy. So I look at what that rider's clear percentage is and podium percentage is, and then I look at the odds. The odds are to one, meaning one to one, 20 to one, 200 to one. That's the idea behind those odds. And that's what, if that event happens at that moment, what your point payout is going to be. So for example, we look at this past weekend and we had several riders who jumped clear 32% of the time and their clear odds were 4.3 to 1. That means if they were to jump clear, that whatever you put on 50, 100, 250, it would be 4.3 times whatever you put on there. That's how the odd system works. And that's what makes it really fun because the fact that we don't know how many people are going to jump clear, it brings it a lot of excitement. So in other words, the odds are going to go up if less people jump clear. So every clear round is highly, highly, highly valuable. And on the flip side, the more people that jump clear, the odds go down and the less points you're going to win. So 
understanding that you have to spread those points out over several riders is really the key to winning jump clear. And a perfect example of this is, <laughs> is I, I, I'm a big fan of my sister, obviously. So I'm like, hey, I'm just going to put my points on her to, to, to jump clear and podium finish, <laughs> which she jumped clear in the Tryon Grand Prix but did not podium finish. Yeah, I got those points, but it wasn't that many. It might have gotten me 500 points. Well, the winner of our, our contest won with 3,000 points. Yeah, see? Just because you put points on someone does not mean that you're going to win. So my strategy was bad this weekend, mostly because I, I, uh, I picked incorrectly. But so when you take a look at your pick list and you're trying to figure out, okay, what's my strategy? Understand that those odds are fluctuating based off of how many riders are going to jump clear and ultimately do. The ones that don't change until the class starts are the podium. Now, a podium finish obviously is one, two, or three, win, place, or show. And we know that outcome. There's only three. And so the idea behind that is those ones are going to give you a higher multiple of point payout just because there's only three that can happen. So you may get a good payout in a dark horse, no no pun intended, on a clear round, but you're really going to get a lot of points on that podium. And so that's really up to you in determining, who do I put my picks on? I like this one. They have a good clear percentage. Their podium, eh, I've watched the last several rounds. I think they're on a hot streak. I'm going to put my points here, and I'm going to disperse those points in... a a way that I feel that is going to really pay off in the end. So when you look at the start list this week, take a look at the clear percentages as well as the odds and try and pick the ones that have the highest odds with the highest clear percentage that people haven't picked yet. We'll talk about that next Friday and see how that went. But so moving into the highlights of this past weekend, we start off in Weco Cala with the $100,000 Grand Prix. Uh, taking away the win was Santiago Lombre on all-in horses Cava. And in second place was Kristen Vanderveen on her new mount, actually, Bull Runs Gyra. And then in third, <laughs> taking a, a, the second place again on another mount is Santiago Lombre on Chaco Blue the second. <laughs> it, it does say Chaco Blue too, but you know I'm just going to throw in there the second because Chaco Blue is a very famous horse. So moving up to Tryon for their two star, taking away in her first international win is Caitlin Connors on Falcon de Hus Z. In second place was Roberto Turan on Des Uktoff. I have to pause for a moment. I have to eat some crow here. I predicted on Friday that no way is he going <laughs> to podium finish after winning the welcome and uh, r- proven me wrong there, Roberto, you know, you'd uh, go in and podium finishing in the Grand Prix. So my pick was incorrect on Friday. So and then in third was Gabriella Ruder on Merez Rock. And then off to Traverse City we go up in Michigan. I heard it was a fantastic weather weekend up there. People were enjoying the sun, and it was just a great event. And winning the two-star was Kathleen Driscoll on Dam de Peak. And second place was Francisco Goyoga Mole on Ice Zotendel Z. And in third was Alec Lawler on Condaloo. 
So great weekend for show jumping all across the country. We also introduced a new state in operation this past weekend, and welcome California. We are so excited to have you, and I think that it's just going to be a great opportunity for us to really grow the sport, especially because there's so many people that participate or are fans of show jumping in California, not to mention there's a fantastic horse park out there that uh, we'll talk about a little bit later as uh, as the season goes on. So with that, we get into this next part, and I'm so excited to share this with you. So we have an international show jumper as well as someone who has a real job outside of show jumping. We are very honored to bring on Charlie Jacobs uh, with us today on the podcast. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you very much for having me, Michael. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Now, Charlie, you've you've been in the industry quite a while, and you actually are in two big time industries—not just show jumping, but also professional hockey. Is correct? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but just by way of background, I grew up on a horse farm in upstate New York. Uh, started riding and jumping horses at the age of five, five or six. Uh, that's sometimes my mother will give you a different date, but for, I would say probably <laughs> five or six. Um, and I've been working in the National Hockey League. Uh, since 1994. So, uh, yeah, I would say that uh, uh, I've been involved in hockey for coming up on three decades, uh, and I've been jumping really almost my whole life. <laughs> so are you a show jumper by day, hockey player by night, or vice versa? <laughs> I don't know. You know what I tell myself? I, I, I Well, listen, first and foremost, I have to show up here to work, and I have to be accountable to people I work for. Uh, and I look at that this way, uh, jumping and spending time with my horses, whether in fact I'm actually jumping a fence or just in the barn, is downtime for me. It's a relaxation. It's uh, somewhat of a therapeutic uh, element to sort of check out and forget about whatever was happening during the day. And you, you get on your horse and and, uh, and it seems like all the, all the worries of the day are, are washed away the, the second you connect with your, at least for me, when I ride my horses. Yeah, and it, it's so cool to be able to see the the therapeutic side and being able to be a part of show jumping and a, a way to get away from what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, but you're still competing at a very high level. And it's not just going out and jumping a, a small jump. I mean, you're going in some big classes. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe that's my virtue of the fact that I started at such a young age uh, and, I, and I have very good horses. And of course I would be remiss if I didn't mention the wonderful team that I have behind me. That's so that looks after my horses when, when I'm when I'm doing my thing here, uh, uh, I'm happy to be broadcasting or, or participating in this in this podcast from my office in Boston. I have a whole group of people that are, are with my horses right now in, in Kentucky or wherever the horse show may be. It just happens to be Kentucky today. Um, uh, that are looking after and making sure that when I show up, the horses are ready to go. Nice. And as I was getting ready for this podcast, I was really thinking of what kind of really cool aspects we could talk about that, you know, really start to blend the sports together. And obviously show jumping is very different than professional hockey. But I think that at the high level, the athlete preparation is pretty similar. And I wanted to get your take on that because you look at these incredible athletes that you're bringing up through the ranks to ultimately play for the Bruins. What similarities do you see between them and the ones that you interact with, say, at Spruce Meadows or some of these big horse shows? Yeah, I, well, listen, I, I do think that uh, the, the sport of show jumping has changed a lot. Uh, and I will tell you this, uh, not only horse, but also, also human athlete has to be in, 
in fantastic shape in order to compete and participate at the highest level. Uh, I've seen that change. It didn't always used to be the case. Uh, but the, the top, top riders in, in, that you'll see at the Global Champions Tour or some of them you see the games and the rest, those people are in really top shape. Uh, you know, whether you measure it in their body mass or cardiovascular capabilities or VO2, whatever, we could talk about all different measurements to determine who's in shape and who's not. The guys that are jumping, the guys and the girls that are jumping at the top and the highest level are, are, in, are in the best are in the best shape, uh, and, and likewise their horses. And, and frankly, they, you know, you can't spare at any turn, um, whether it's diet for your horse or diet for yourself. Cardio, lift, cardio and lifting are, are, are two separate and unique uh, disciplines, as well as stretching. Um, you know, especially for a, a person like my age, I have to stretch a lot more than I ever did when I, when I was younger. Um, uh, to be to be able to, to to get on a horse to do what we need to do, and that same goes for the horses. Whether it's uh, chiropractic treatments or therapeutic uh, lasers, uh, different elements that are allowed, uh, in particular in FEI, uh, tend to be changing uh, by the year. But but they're all um, they're all there really for the horse's benefit uh, and welfare, and, and that goes for for the hockey athlete as well. Um, you know, we, we we use actually very similar lacers that we use today for our horses on our in the locker room. Um, <laughs> you know, we use uh, compression uh, boots for for swelling to get out of your legs, uh, ice baths. Um, a lot of things that you may not think of uh, that the, our players are sitting in, uh, and for instance, an ice bath might not be the most comfortable uh, to, to do, but they, they get in there because they know it's for their long-term benefit. <laughs> I had a, one of my friends um, who played Division One football. We he came over to our barn one day, and we had one of the horse gym spas. And he's like, "Oh, we do ice baths all the time." I'm like, "Better be careful. This thing gets really cold." He's, "Oh, I can yeah. take it." He didn't last two minutes. In heavy duty stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's like at 36 degrees. It, it's getting really cold. Have you ever gotten one of your uh, hockey athletes to uh, sit on a horse? Um, you know, we usually have our team come. Uh, at least once a year, I visit uh, my mom and dad's farm in, in Florida because it's close to Sunrise, where, where the Florida Panthers play. Play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't. We haven't in the last few years because of COVID. We haven't had a visit with the team, but I anticipate that maybe in twenty twenty three during the season we will see our team. But yeah. So to answer your question, do they actually sit on a horse? I haven't. I haven't actually put them on a horse. Uh, but we do spend <laughs> some time in the barn. Not sure, um, you know, their their agents or their insurance policy <laughs> for a horse for a horse fall. That's an, that'd be a, not a fun conversation, both to your uh, your administration or, or their agents. Hey, so and so just fell off a horse. Um, yeah, yeah happened to be my horse. So yeah, no, that can't be working. That wouldn't go over. That'd be more like a lead balloon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, it'd be a, it'd be like, oh wow, this in, on the opposite. It'd be like, wow, this guy has a really good position. I think. If you're done when you're done with hockey, let's go to ride horse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, and I, I love the, the comparison between the two sports, because the more that you really peel back the, the sports of show jumping, you, the more you realize how similar it is to other major sports. Um, one of the other things I was really thinking of, too, is in your perspective, do you get more nervous to watch the Bruins play or going in for a big class? No, there's no questions. The Bruins. Um, I don't. I've tried to, and I, I don't know. I can't speak, Michael. I can't explain it. But uh, 
You know, I might get anxious uh, maybe for a championship round if I was going to the World Cup Finals uh, or a Nations Cup class. But that actually helps me raise my game. But I don't normally get that anxious um, before I jump a horse. Um, you know, like I said, back to my theme earlier, it's really more of a fun therapeutic thing than it is necessarily an anxiety driving matter. Um, when I watch the Boston Bruins play, uh, I get anxious. I get, uh, uh, you know, I get a level of anxiety and a level of uh, nervousness because it's completely out of my control. Mm. Maybe, maybe for that reason, I should be less so. Um, but I just want the team to win so badly. Um, now, I can't necessarily say uh, I would ever yeah, prefer to win one thing versus another. It's I've got a whole office full of people here that our sole mission is to win the Stanley Cup. You know, and, and that happens one time a year. Um, and I will say that it's, uh, uh, I truly believe it's the, the most difficult trophy in all of professional sports to win. There are Grand Prix almost, dare I say, every weekend. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Um, so while I would love to win a Grand Prix, uh, I have one. Been fortunate to win big Grand Prix. I've only been fortunate to have one Stanley Cup. I've had four trips to the Stanley Cup Finals in the past ten years, um, and I've only come away once with uh, with the Stanley Cup itself. So pairing the two, I would say it's far more difficult to win the Stanley Cup than any <laughs> Grand Prix, even the largest ones in the world. I have to say, anxiety-wise, hockey. Is certainly the driver more so than horses. <laughs> oh, I love it. And and for those who are listening, um, there is a tradition with the Stanley Cup. It's one of the only trophies in the world in professional sports that you actually don't get to keep. And each person of the administration and team gets it for one day, correct? Yeah. So that's uh, so funny anecdote about that. Um, having won the Stanley Cup, I, I could I could speak from my experience that yes, you, you win the Stanley cup, uh, and it is the most glorious minutes or days or summer that you will ever have. Um, but there are obligations that come along with it. Like you mentioned, you really don't get the Stanley cup to, for yourself. You can't put it in your living room and say, there it is. Um, it goes back to the hockey hall of fame. Um, you get it for a day. So do your teammates. Uh, so does your GM president, everybody that worked uh, to try to make the Stanley Cup a reality for your team. But you also get people from this Hall of Fame that come on your payroll the day you win. <laughs> and uh, and it's and it, because there's a lot of travel involved after you've won the Stanley Cup, it goes and vis visits you at your home or wherever you decide. So it, it travels to Sweden, it travels to Finland, uh, it travels to Czechoslovakia, to maybe a player's home in Carolinas and Florida. So it's an enormous amount of travel mm -hmm. uh, and and it has a bedtime, <laughs> bedtime of, of midnight. Um, but think about the guy that's taking care of it. He's he's taking care of it all day. Um, then after you're done with it, he puts it to bed and it gets up the next morning and starts with somebody else. And it's their <laughs> day. And they're going to make the most of that day. Uh, so they have uh, two people that come on to your payroll and you pay for them to travel with the cup. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, it sounds like a wonderful job and I'm sure, but listen, I'm sure it's a really cool job, but I imagine it would be incredibly draining after, you know, your summers, you're working hard every day from, I don't know, seven in the morning until midnight. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you need a couple people to rotate through there because, <laughs> um, you know, everybody's trying to make their most of it for the day, uh, which they should. You know, I, people are eating ice cream out of it. They're drinking beer, champagne, <laughs> you name it. What did you do with it? Um, I did a little bit of everything with it, honestly. Uh, since it was my day, I took it uh, to a couple hospitals here in, in Boston in the morning. Um, and then uh, I had lunch with my kids. They had ice cream out of it at a restaurant. In, in Wellesley, Massachusetts, and then at night we had a big, big party, and, oh, and, and uh, like a, you know, like I can't, frankly, I can't remember the head count, but it was a big, it was a big number, and we had a, we had a ball, we had a ball, and and there may have been some drinking out of the Stanley Cup, poured over a few people's heads. Uh, can neither confirm deny what it was, yeah. but it was, uh, it happened <laughs> between us, the Cup, and the Hall of Fame uh, that gentleman that had it for the day <laughs> oh my gosh that is so cool I, uh, um it, it's so cool to see because the sport of hockey has grown exponentially over the last 10-15 years and a lot of it has a lot to do with the sports gambling as well and the onset of dfs and daily fantasy which is dfs and the sports books how have you seen that change as as looking at it as a as an owner of an organization, what have you seen on this? So the economic, just just if I, I, I love to jump into DFS and, and tell you my takes on it, but I will say this: uh, the National Hockey League has trended, you know, even before uh, sports wagering was illegal, um, was growing at a, an incredibly rapid rate, uh, greater than than say even basketball or football. You could say, yeah, well, yes, they are larger sports. And, in totality, in terms of the measurements of annual revenue, I think football might be at somewhere around twelve billion, um, and uh, uh, basketball is around six. Hockey is now about four billion uh, in annual revenue, and is rapidly about to overtake the NBA. And a lot of that has to do with the television rights, um, the the national TV rights uh, that that pour into to the NFL, listen, they sort of take, they're like the 800-pound gorilla. They take a lot out of each network's budget. If they're awarded to, to carry football games, it's an enormous fee that's involved. Uh, and same with the NBA. And NBA has a, a large audience in, in, in Asia. Bad, sorry, hockey uh, has an enormous, enormous um, and avid following north of the border in Canada. But mm-hmm. think about it, it's really only 35 million people or so. Um, but our, our, a larger part of our audience is actually coming from Eastern Europe uh, and um, those Scandinavian countries, uh, Eastern European blocs, uh, are real avid, avid, avid uh, hockey fans. And of course, the United States itself. So um, there are different markets in, in, in all those leagues I just spoke to. Uh, but I will say that, that uh, we've seen hockey grow, uh, you know, while it may have been the distant fourth in pro sports for many, many years, and even as recently as maybe 20, mm-hmm. year 2000, in the past 20 years, it's caught up significantly. And if it continues on its trajectory, it will grow uh, uh, greater than, than some, some of the professional sports that uh, we currently consider the big three. And that's mm-hmm. basketball, uh, football, and, and, uh, and baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let me segue into the da- daily fantasy. Uh, daily fantasy has been good for all of the sports uh, in that it drives viewership and interest. And what I mean by that is uh, a game that you may not typically watch, uh, you may, in fact, turn on because you have some kind of wager 
um, some sort of fantasy player that's on the that's participating in that game that you want to root for. It draws okay. it draws interest in, and for that matter, draws eyeballs, which is uh, you know how we measure, frankly, popularity and impact. Right. And any agency that you talk to will say that, like you know, listen, you guys aren't worth this because you're not getting enough viewership or you're not drawing the numbers for the Nielsen ratings. So, um, I do think that DF, you know, daily fantasy has really helped. Um, in the states where it's legalized, it's helped increase fan interest and would maybe take a casual fan and turn them into an avid fan. I think so. In some cases, uh, that's in fact true. I will say that you know, I, I do see that uh, there are there is a consolidation, in my opinion, uh, headed, headed very quickly for daily fantasy sports. Uh, and if I think about the major players today, uh, I think of, of uh, FanDuel and I think of DraftKings, right. specifically here in the United States, so they're sort of 800-pound gorillas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look at what's happening, um, uh, DraftKings is, in fact, uh, I don't know what their share price was, maybe as high as 80 or $90, and they're now trading somewhere around 12 uh, or but they may even be lower. I haven't, frankly, just looked at the, the ticker today. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that the player acquisition costs for them are just through the roof. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, they're, they're, they're advertising so much. They're buying airtime uh, for all of the leagues uh, during games. And, and they're doing that in hopes that players will, will you know, come and sign up on their device to, and be a customer. The end game, I think, for them isn't necessarily to have uh, daily fantasy players on their platform but to rather get your data and your information and know your habits so that uh, when, for instance, iGaming may come legal in different states, um, they've got you as a customer already and can offer you those online games, right. uh, casino-style games. Um, and I've seen that because, I, you know, as, as my office and position at Delaware North, we have uh, you know, regional casinos across the United States. Um, in some states where we operate, uh, uh, daily fantasy sports is legal, as is iGaming. Um, in other states, it just hasn't. For instance, I'm calling you from Massachusetts today. It's sports wagering is not legal in the state yet. Uh, right. Eventually, it will be, but I, I don't know what form that'll come in. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, back to the player acquisition. I, I, I think that uh, you know, a, a player like DraftKings, <clears throat> well, they they may be. Uh, you may see them everywhere, omnipresent. Uh, I, I'm not sure they. I mean, they're going to run out of money at some point. They're spending oh, you more. You have to. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're 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 playing more, uh, spending more money on player acquisition than they are generating revenues from players themselves. The other player, FanDuel, uh, their parent company is uh, uh, Flutter, right? Yeah, Flutter. They're based out of uh, the UK, and that company, in my opinion far better suited in terms of their capital structure and the rest to survive uh, this player acquisition frenzy that we're seeing right now in the market. And and I think they're the long-term winner, in my opinion. I could be wrong uh, in this game of DFS for, for pro sports. So you, you bring up a really interesting point because I've been obviously thinking of this with Jump Clear. And you know, the question that I think of is, is DraftKings going through it the right way? And and the question that I'm really grappling with is, when someone goes to Vegas, same scenario basically, they're gonna go have a good time. How often are they going alone? And that's the concept that I'm grappling with and I pose to you is that 
in my and, and this I might be completely wrong in this. This is a small, tiny operator out of Wellington, Florida, saying this, but. I think that their strategy to really incentivize the player to download it and just get them on there, I don't think is correct. I think it has to be more of a community feel because if you look at people that go to Vegas, they're always going in groups and you take show jumping, for example, it is such a community based sport. And I feel that people are much more willing to download and play an app that involves wagering or picks like Daily Fantasy that if their friends are telling them to do it rather than a company. What are your thoughts on that? No, I agree. I mean, there's, um, you know, we, we use this term in, in, in our market. It's something like we have, we have a following, right? We have a following ruins of people that are just fans. And in some way, they're almost their own tribe. And when I, and I mean that, in, in a respectful way of just saying it's a it's a common bond that they share. People who come here and, and celebrate the Boston Bruins when they're here, they yell for the things they like, they yell at the things they don't like, but they're all there for the shared experience. And um, and I think that the same holds true when you're talking about uh, this this notion of I'm going to bet I'm going to take so and so today in tonight's class. You're going to take you know. I, I saw some of the, the notes that you sent me for it. Like, let's say I'm gonna I'm gonna take um, Aaron Vale today, and you're taking Samuel Perot. And by the way, I'm gonna have bragging rights at the end of this dinner about who who won tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that draws a, a connection, uh, and that sort of back to this notion of we're here for a shared experience. Of because of our love of the sport, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it, and we're gonna celebrate it through this this medium of of wagering and and. In my case, a little trash talking, perhaps afterwards. Absolutely, right? <laughs> bragging rights, as they say, right? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's just a, it's like you said. I completely agree. I think there's going to be winners and losers, and at the end of this, and anybody who's spending a quarter of a billion dollars in advertising a quarter, that's yeah. not sustainable. I mean, any business person can tell you that. But no, I, I'm in agreement with it, and so because it is so new in show jumping do you how do you see it playing out as a benefit or even a detriment what what are your thoughts on it coming into show jumping well i think it's um you know i looked at some of the stats that that jump clear provides and i think that they're very interesting uh, and unique i mean you talk about the uh the wagering uh i i i and you may or may not know this but I believe one of the largest sports that's uh, worldwide that's been that's wagered on is uh, women's tennis, um, and it's listen. I can I can sort of dive into all the reasons why I think it is, but it's because of the speed of play, uh, and it's it's women, yep. <laughs> and it's the fact that um, there's a bet every um, literally every few seconds. You get a bet on who's going to win this this serve. There's all different types of parlay bets. There's all the different intricacies and opportunities to, to wager. Right. And when I look at, at specifically at Jump Clear, um, I can see that there are different elements of like podium numbers, percentage numbers, the data that you feed the user prior to uh, to maybe making their selection. Things that maybe I wouldn't even think about, frankly, when I think about so and so is about to jump the course. What do, what do I want to What do I want to maybe place my what do I bet's going to happen? What do I think's going to happen in my heart um, so about this round? Uh, you know, it's, it's it's interesting because as because I work in a national hockey league, I, I certainly can't wager on on anything that happens in the league. Right. Uh, 
but I, uh, but I'm a writer, and I can certainly wager on what I may think other writers might be doing in the league. It's it's a little bit of a different uh, dynamic, if you will. No, for sure, and and that's what's interesting too is that like I think you're spot on with something that's interesting, and I think that's why it's taken show jumping so long to really catch up. Is who wants to sit there for three hours and pick one rider out of 50 to win? I mean, it's, it's hard to watch. And so that's kind of, that's really our goal with it is that something every minute and a half is happening. It keeps you engaged and excited. Well, we could go on about this for many, many hours and cause it's, it's just an interesting conversation, but I do want to include you in our kind of fun little segment that we do in our podcast and it's our weekly picks. And so I sent you a little bit of a snapshot of the three contests that we're going to have on the app this weekend. And it's the three star in Tryon, the two star in Traverse City and the WEC Ocala National Grand Prix. And we kind of pulled three to four riders from each Grand Prix that is entered in that class. And we're going to have you take a look at the stats that are provided by our partners at the jumper app. And who are your picks for each of the classes? And so I want you to pick what, who you think is going to be a podium finisher and who you think is going to be a clear round. So one and one. Oh, wow. All right. So the list I have in front of me, I've got uh, the three star try on meter 50 class. Uh, Samwell Pro on Booga Z and Captain Z. I, I'm going to pick Samwell for a clear. On Hey, listen, if I'm getting two for one, I'm going with Samwell anyways. <laughs> and uh, Richie Maloney on Roxy Music or Caitlin Connors with Escada, Luis Francisco Abizado and Colin. Oh, he's got two horses as well. All right, I'm going to go with Samwell for the clear, and I'm going to go with... Uh, Caitlin Connors for the W on this one at Tryon three star one fifty. Ooh, I like that. A little back to back weeks for yeah. Caitlin Connors. I like that. I know. Why? Listen, she's hot. She's hot last week. Yeah. Uh, and uh, okay, so down the Traverse City two star for the meter forty five. I'm assuming that's maybe a Friday class. Margie Engel on Cessna and Anton. Okay, she's got two horses. Sid Schulman on Classic Penny or Mavis Spencer on Charisma. Um, I'm going to go with Margie on this one uh, for the clear. Uh, she's, uh, again, I got a two for one with her. Sid Schulman, in my opinion, has been, been burning up and is ripe for a W, a podium finish. Um, I watched her last year. She's riding aggressively. Uh, sorry, maybe I, don't, I mean that in a respectful way. <laughs> and she's riding like to win. So I'm going to go with Sid Schulman, Traverse City, two-star, meter 45 W. Love it. Okay. And Weck uh, Ocala. Okay, Weck. We've got Hunter Holloway and Pepita, uh, Kelly Cucciarati, Vanderveen on Forever, Aaron Vale, and Kristen Vanderveen. Um, okay, I'm going to go with Kelly Cucciarati, Vanderveen for the clear. Uh, and because he's a contemporary of mine and I know he's merciless when it comes to the ring and the speed round, I'm going to go with Aaron Vale for the national win in Ocala. Nice. You heard it here first with Charlie Jacobs and the picks for the weekend. <laughs> oh, Charlie, thank you so much for your time today. This was a lot of fun and being able to talk through different sports and, and daily fantasy in, uh, in your picks. And so we, uh, we wish you the best of luck in your, uh, in your search for uh, new head coaches and work and, um, as well as in the ring. So we look forward to watching you very closely. I appreciate the time, Michael. This is fun. I appreciate any time. 
you know, anytime we get to talk with a, an incredible athlete in our sport and also be able to chat with an, an incredible professional in another industry, it's, it's always special. And so as, as we talked about, you can follow what Charlie is doing by simply following the Boston Bruins. So this brings us to the end of our very special show today. We're so thankful that you made it through it with us, and we hope that it was fun. And this was really the first week that we truly had the Backgate Picks with another rider. And so be sure to check out the contests that are going on this weekend in Weco Cala, Tryon, Traverse City. And then we also have one going on in Colorado. So check those out, download the app, invite your friends, and claim your podium. is a fantasy sports platform. Gambling or sports wagering are not permitted on Jump Clear Fantasy. Available in Colorado, Florida, Kentucky, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alaska, and South Dakota only. Users must be physically located in Colorado, Florida, Kentucky, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alaska, or South Dakota. Must be 18 years or older for entertainment purposes only. No results are guaranteed. Void where prohibited by law. Users are participating in Jump Clear Fantasy. Agree to the terms and conditions. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.